0: If, uh, if you were in charge of the promotion or the public relations of a famous person, maybe it was a, could be a leader, politician, some kind of celebrity, if you were in charge of helping bring them to a city, bring them to a town, uh, you really wanted to go all out for this person, how would you go about doing it? You know, would you call the news outlets, the media, let them know so the cameras can be there? You might do that. Maybe you you put it all out there on social media. You put it on all the socials. That's how the, the young'uns say it. That was the most uncool way I could have said that. <clears throat> put it out there, right? Or maybe, maybe let's go old school. Maybe, maybe you're gonna rent a plane. They still do this anymore. Rent a plane, have a banner <laughs> flowing behind it. They still do that, I don't know. Maybe smoke signals, if you're gonna go that far back. Yeah, how would, you, how would you help the world be ready for this person coming into town? You're gonna pull out all the stops for this person so that they are, you know, maybe, maybe you're gonna, I don't know, you're gonna get crazy, you're gonna rent a limo. Do they still rent limos anymore? Are they kind of out now, limos are not cool? I don't, I don't know the coolness factor. Of a limo. That was a big thing back in the day when I was a kid. I won't say how far back that was. (laughs) Limo for this person. Now, let's take it up a notch. What if this person happened to be the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? What if that person, that VIP, was Jesus? What are you going to do? Created the universe. How are you going to do justice to bringing the king of kings into town, into the city? There's just no way we could do him justice, right? We're going to be talking about grand entrances today, but maybe what we read is not going to feel like a grand entrance. So if you have a Bible or a device, we've been going through slowly the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, so find Matthew chapter 21. That's where we're going to be today. And uh, we're going to look, look at grand entrances. And also, we're going to get a little house cleaning in the process. And get a little bit more glimpses of what this kingdom that Jesus brought was all about. I'm Pastor Ben. I'm glad you were here with us today. If this is your first Sunday, welcome. Welcome. Uh, you're our guest. We're glad you're here. It could be online. as We see you as well. We, uh, we know that we can worship Jesus digitally and physically. It's all, it's all right. But we gather like this, like Christ followers all over the globe, because we are one big dysfunctional family of faith. Why do we meet on Sundays? Because that was the day Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead and changed human history forever. And that's why many of us are in this room right now, because of him. And so we gather to lift him up, to read the scriptures, and to, to have the Holy Spirit speak to us, change us, challenge us to what he might be calling us to do. And so today we're talking about, again, grand interests and house cleaning. So would you pause with me for a word of prayer and let's seek the Lord. Father, we come before you. We know that you're mighty and powerful, and you are in charge, and we're not. We're very thankful for that. Father, you love us more than we could possibly imagine, even though we're more sinful than we even want to realize. We're thankful that you allow us to come before your throne to kneel. To have your presence, your forgiveness, your hope bestowed upon us through your son Jesus. And Lord, as we open the scriptures, teach us, speak to us. May we be encouraged, equipped, challenged to go be your hands and feet in our world. And Father, uh, we submit this all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. If If you're able to stand, would you stand with me as we read Matthew 21? If you can't, that's okay. There's something powerful about reading. Standing for God's word, right? I'm reading from the English Standard Version, large print edition, because I'm a man of a certain age. No judgment. Matthew 21. Ready? Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a, a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, mind your own business. That's not what it says. The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat down on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when they had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned their tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things they did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Whoa, what do we got here? <clears throat> this, is some, this is some text today. Hey, yay, yeah, yay. Yeah. So we have, we have Jesus you know, riding in the last week of his life, and he causes chaos everywhere he goes, it seems. Chaos in the village, chaos in the city. Then he goes to the temple, and what does he do? He starts throwing around furniture. This is our Jesus. Whoo! Chaos, throwing around furniture. Whoa, what do we do with this? Well, Jesus is done being subtle, isn't he? You know, you look at the, the three years that Jesus had, and the, the gospel writers would say, sometimes he would tell people not to say anything, or he would kind of stay in the outskirts of a city, or he, he would tell people, hey, don't, don't say I am. Right? We've seen him do that. He's done with that. No more being subtle. He's going big. He's going viral in this case. And uh, it's going to be a week that not only will his 12 remember, but it's a week we're still talking about all these years later. What a week it was. And they start out and they, they make a stop at Bethpage and the Mount of Olives, which is basically east of the city and the temple proper. I've not been to Jerusalem. Has anybody here been to Jerusalem? You've seen it? Okay. You know, w- when we talk about it, I-, I just would love to have memories of seeing Jerusalem, how these towns all worked together, how far they were apart. And there's some speculation. We don't know exactly where it all happened, but Bethpage, fun fact, the name Bethpage means house of unripe figs. Now, if you know your text, something's coming that has to do with that. But I'm not I'm just giving you a spoiler. That's next week. So we'll be here next week to hear about why that ties in. But the first thing we see Jesus doing in this text, right? He, he tells his disciples, we have a transportation issue. I need you to solve a transportation issue. And uh, and I find this whole story quite odd in that, couldn't Jesus have just said clearly, you know, go to Stanley's house on 3rd Street, he's got a donkey rental place, just grab a donkey from there, It'd be great if you had a coal with it, you know what I mean? This, this scenario seems odd, right? Hey guys, find a donkey, randomly, with a baby donkey untie them bring them back and of course somebody says something because yeah it looks like theft to me they're taking they're untying you know this this could be the life savings of this person that had these donkeys I don't know what's going on I mean Jesus didn't tell these guys you know he sent a couple of them into town right didn't really give them details Jesus sometimes does that you know he still does that for us sometimes he doesn't always give us the details follow me and that's all you need to know. So go get these donkeys, untie them. Of course, you know, theft, hello. And, uh, and, and apparently, this owner knows what's going on. Again, odd odd story. The owner seems to have a clue. And uh, all they have to say is the Lord needs them. And he's like, take them. Wouldn't that be great if that worked for us? Like you go to a store, you know, you need a new car. You go to the dealership. man. You just grab the keys and start driving away. They're like, hey, 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 what's happening? The Lord has need of it. You think that would, think that would work? Yeah. No? Should, should be great, though. I mean, think about it. But he, he must have known, okay? And the owner's cool with it. But, you know, I don't know if this was prearranged. Hard to tell. Or was this, and I'm going to contend, the second donkey miracle in the Bible? Anybody know the first one? Come on. It was donkey talking, right? Balaam, right? With that whole story. Anybody? Come on. Second donkey miracle. Could it be? It could be. You're going to give that one to me. It could be second donkey miracle. Well, Actually, ancient history would say that if you were somebody important back in the day, I'm guessing Roman soldier, maybe a politician, you could legally press an animal into service to help your transportation situation. That was actually legal. It's actually I looked this up. One commentator wrote this, and I'd never heard this before. I went through Bible college and seminary. Nobody ever said, this was a thing back in the day, but apparently it was. It was called angria. Not sangria, okay? Angria. Different word. Apparently, you could press an animal into service. I, I would like to try that, too. You know, go up to your favorite, I don't know, we have horses, sheep around, I, you know, find your, anyway, I digress. Angari, that used to be a thing. This passage is very familiar to many of us. If we've been around church for a while, this is what we would call in the Christian calendar, anybody? Palm Palm Sunday, yeah. Kind of that entrance into the city, and, and certainly the text tells us they're, they're waving, and all of this to, to, Modern Western ears like we have seem odd, but you, you need to understand everything that's happening here. In fact, there's even a callback to a prophet that just kind of floated in the text. For a Jewish person of the first century, all kinds of bells are going off with all this happening to Jesus. All the bells are going. All the bells are ringing right now. We just sometimes miss it. And there's a quote there, right? The prophet, the daughter of Zion. See, the people of, of, of the Jewish people of the first century, they saw themselves as the daughter of Zion. They were a special people. So this whole thing happening, and there's this prophetic, you know, thing happening. People are going, "Oh, that's us!" And then we have like this whole donkey issue, and they're like, "Whoa, this comes right from our prophets of old." So all kinds of bells are ringing if you're a first-century Jewish person really really rich in symbolism and the cutting of the branches that's a metaphor for the nation but not just the nation of Israel for victory so this is all like I would imagine there's excitement you know, they're like could this be the Messiah and then listen to what they're saying it's a quote from from Psalm 118 that most Jewish people would have known all kinds of things bells are ringing right now you can't hear them but they are and the people are like, this is something special. Could this be this Messiah age is starting? In and, and Psalm 118, they quote that. Very messianic. Son of David, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These are all very messianic terms. So just pretend there are bells going off in your head right now. If you're first century and you're in this moment, all kinds of things are ringing very messianic now i don't know what the leaders around were thinking but i'm imagining if you were someone who studied the scriptures you'd be going wait that kind of lines up that kind of lines up but we don't like him anyway so we're not going to go with it but you know what i mean this is happening and it's going to continue to happen so people are people are excited i find it interesting that all the people from the villages kind of knew who he was you know Maybe that's because he kind of stuck to the villages there for a while to kind of keep out of the public eye, to kind of probably lengthen his ministry uh, because he was kind of under the gun there for a while. And so the the, the village knew and everything. And then when they got into the Jerusalem, there's probably people from all over. And uh, they're like, who is this? Uh, you know, I can imagine if you are standing there Here's this whole entourage coming, you know, the grand entrance or whatever. And then you're just standing there, kind of going, I don't know what's going on. I didn't get the memo. I didn't know what was going on. Was this in the schedule? I didn't see. And then someone next to you hands you a palm branch, and you're like, cool. What are we doing this for? You get this sense of, and you got people saying, no, this is that Jesus guy, you know, that guy from Galilee and Nazareth. And they're like, oh, yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. They're not sure, but people are kind of mixed here in the crowd. Some know him, some don't. Some may have heard the buzz. I don't, I don't know. And then here, here he is riding on a, a donkey. Remember, second donkey miracle. Put it down. They're riding on this donkey, this, really the foal of a donkey, so like a, like a you know, baby donkey. I'm not, I'm not really a horse person, so the people that do know these things, please give me grace. But he's riding on this and how do you feel about that? You know, because if you were a conqueror, a military leader, if you're a Roman soldier, or at least someone who can rout out the Romans, I don't think this is the animal you would choose. First of all, the armor doesn't fit. You know what I'm saying? Your feet are actually dragging on the ground, so it looks kind of weird. Smelly. you got to put yourself in the, in the moment. What would you expect a conquering king to come in on? Stallion. Big old horse. You know, I'm picturing a draft horse. You know, one of those horses that, it's crazy, those things just eat vegetables and hay, and they get that big. You know, I'm, I'm picturing the hooves on that thing. No. How do you feel about the king of kings riding in on such a humble, gentle animal? Well... I think we have Jesus not only fulfilling scripture, but modeling something that he's already taught his disciples over and over again. If you want to be great, you need to be serving. And if you want to lead, it's probably going to require sacrifice. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? And here's Jesus modeling that for them. And they may have not put all this together, but I guarantee you after after this week is done, those disciples will never forget a single detail. Thank God they didn't because it's in here. This was, a, this was, you think about this week. Look about the highs and lows going on here. And think about seeing their buddy, their rabbi, killed in the worst possible way. We're talking PTSD. We're talking stuff you can't unsee. And they never forgot. Well, he's riding in on this very gentle animal. And Jesus is demonstrating a different way of leadership. And as as I'd already mentioned, you read this text, at least the first part, this entrance, there's all kinds of bells and whistles going off from anybody who's familiar with the Jewish people and the hopes of the Messiah. This is all screaming. This is Messiah age. So then we get to the temple. We got to deal with this temple business, don't we? We got to deal with this, this Messiah. Throw in furniture we need to we need to address this don 't we? Is this the uh, they say the elephant in the room or something, or i don 't know if you've thought about this. Does it bother you i don 't know when I was a kid, remember some of the first church buildings I was ever in, sometimes they would have this artwork, not helpful artwork, but you might have seen maybe one of the photos or not a photo, actually, that would be weird. No, it was a painting of like a rendering of Jesus. And maybe if as I describe it, you might this might ring a bell. He he's sort of soft looking. He has a, a white bathrobe. He has a beauty pageant sash. He's got a well-groomed and oiled beard. He's got the feathered hair back. And sometimes he's holding a lamb. This is the picture that sometimes I have to mess up in my head. Because That picture, maybe anybody familiar with that photo? Am I the only one? Okay, it's not what he looked like. Okay, anyway, so I get to this text and I I find myself struggling to see Jesus throwing furniture. Am I the only one? This just seems sometimes he's very gentle, but other times, in fact. There's another moment in the Gospels where he actually makes a weapon to do some of it. If you want to keep going with this. So does it bother you? Is it bothering you about this? Why is he so upset anyway? Right? Look, this is a big city and the, the temple's there. So if you're a Jewish person, I'm just playing this out. You're coming from a different part of the kingdom or a different country, right? I mean, anybody here traveled outside the United States where you had to use different currency? I mean, I know, I know now we use credit cards and stuff like that. I get that. But there was a time you had to actually go to an exchange thing. First time my wife Jackie and I were in England, we had to exchange our U.S. dollars for the, the, the British pound. And they used to make these coins that were really heavy. They're the pound coin, I don't think they make them anymore. But So I get this. You're coming into town, and you, you've you got the, the wrong money. It doesn't have Julius Caesar, whatever. his You know what I mean? It's not in an area, so my money won't work here. So... I get the, the the practical need. Do you see the need that they would need somewhere? And maybe the temple was a central place. Practical. And then, uh, if you're there to worship, uh, sacrifice was still part of the, the, the Jewish worship, right? So you're not going to carry a bunch of extra animals with you. So you got to. It's convenient. You go there to buy a, an animal. So I'll ask the question again. Seems practical. Why is he so angry? Why is he so, so angry here? Well, it is a practical need that these folks are meeting, but maybe they've taken it a bit too far. And, uh, and I wanted to read to you a, a, a one scholar that I thought was helpful that talked about this whole idea of, of why he was so angry. Jesus opposed this practice right here partly because this was happening in the only place in the temple where Gentiles could come and worship Jesus. Just think about that for a second. The only place they were allowed. You know, you're not one of the chosen people. You weren't selected on the A-team. You didn't have the right pedigree or bloodline. And this was an area you could worship the Lord in. And this is where this is happening. So that's maybe one. I'm 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 not trying to win a case for Jesus here. I'm just trying to say that there are some reasoning here that we could we could learn why he was so angry. So that was one of them. And, uh, and then we have another issue that's going on, and we've, we have this documented. In that first century, there were some high priestly families. And, um, you know, if you're going to bring a sacrifice, well, it needs to be approved by the priest. So it's going to need a special barcode on it. You know what I mean? It's going to need USDA choice on it. It's going to need. It's got to have a stamp that says approved by KFS. If that's not on there, I'm sorry, we can't. We, we can't verify the purity of the. You see what's happening here? Well, whose pockets are getting lined by you having to buy this special animal now? Whose pockets are getting lined? The priesthood. So. Again, I'm not trying to, I'm not a lawyer here. I'm not trying to make a case for Jesus. I'm trying to say this also probably irked him a little bit that the, leader, the leaders who were supposed to shepherd Israel were taken from him. So that's an issue. Had to be special certified. And of course, you know, the, the people that did the inspections, well, they've, I mean, that takes work. So they've, they've got to, you know, you've got to pay for this booth. Who's going to pay for this booth? i got to sit here and check your animal. I, gotta, I need a little extra. You see, you see that what's happening here. You're starting to get the picture of maybe why Jesus was having a, a tough time with what's going on here. So there's a markup, multiple markups. He's have, he has a problem with that. And uh, there's something else, too, that, that when, when the festivals were happening, that was a good time to pay the temple tax and... Um, well, if you're going to pay that, that's two days' wages or two denarius. Well, I don't have any denarius. You know, denarius was the coin with an image on it. Anybody remember what, what image was on there? Whoever was the current Caesar? And it said, like, the son of Augustus, you know, like, the God. Okay. Already a problem because Jewish people should not have anything with the image on it and have anything near that with the temple. But, well, you've got to pay tax. So uh, we will change your money, but you need a special denarius, and so that's going to cost you a little bit more. Do you see, I'm I'm building this up. Do you see what might be causing some problems for the Lord? And um, there's one more thing. If you caught it in the text, the text mentions those who were selling pigeons. Now, some of your, your versions might say doves. Does dove sacrifice sound familiar to any of you? Was that the sacrifice of the rich? Poor. In fact, Jesus' parents offered a couple of those when he was a kid. Because they weren't economically up on the higher echelon. They were that's that was the sacrifice of the poor people. So what is Jesus specifically now to add one more thing to his frustration? What is he now angry about? Exploitation of the that was not okay with him. So again, I'm. Not, sometimes we read that and we think, well, that doesn't seem to line up, but are you okay with sometimes the gentleness and humility of Jesus, but also judgment? I just want to let that sit for a second because it can kind of bother our modern sens- sensitivities. And by the way, this was the second time Jesus has done this. You know, maybe we'll just call the first one a warning, a shot across the bow. Is that how you say that? You sailing people? First one was a warning. Second one was judgment. All right, just let that sit. I don't know. I'm going I'm to keep going. I don't know if that is bothering you. But it's a statement to the Jewish leadership. Remember, Jesus isn't pulling punches anymore. He's, he, he's not going to be subtle anymore. He knows his time is short. He wants to make sure it's very crystal clear, the kind of kingdom that he's bringing, not a kingdom that's going to be like the kingdoms of the world or the empires of the world. It's going to be a kingdom based on servanthood. And if you want to be great, you've got to serve. This is the new kingdom, a new way to be human. Makes me wonder, with this whole turning tables over business, if some of us in this room have some Furniture that needs to be tossed around a little bit. Maybe some of us need to have some things rearranged in our life. Maybe Jesus needs to overturn some tables and chairs in our lives. I know that seems like a weird metaphor, but just hang with me. Are there some stuff we've gotten comfortable with? Maybe some habits and hang-ups that maybe we've gotten way too comfortable with? What are some things in your life that Jesus might need to overturn, to rearrange? Are we okay with Jesus doing that? I think we are because we know how much he loves us. If we thought he was an angry tyrant God, we may not be so open to that. But because of his great love, are you willing to let him rearrange some furniture in your life? I hope we are. So then what happens? Jesus starts healing people at the temple. And Matthew calls the wonderful things. Matthew said these, he was doing wonderful things. And while he's doing the wonderful things, there are children singing what they just heard on the way into town. You know, Hosanna, Son of David. They may not even know what it meant, but they're singing it. Because they're like, All right, that's a great song. Good, catchy, good, good melody. And they're singing it. But remember, that's a bell ringing song. For Jewish leadership, that is a messianic statement. Royal lineage to David. Hosanna, the Lord saves. That's messianic talk. And so the Jewish leadership picture them. They're seeing Jesus healing. Who is he healing, by the way? Perfectly healthy, clean people. That's another thing that we miss. Who is he healing? Your text might have said the blind and the lame. Technically, they weren't supposed to be in the temple. And once again... When Jesus heals, their uncleanliness doesn't come to him. His cleanliness goes to them. And now any barrier that they had to worship is gone. So he's doing wonderful things. The children are singing. And what do the Jewish leadership say? This is great. No, they were that I word again, indignant. N.T. Wright's version says they were cross. That sounds so British. They were cross, you know. You got to hear the accent in there. They were crossed. Last time we heard that word is when James and John and mommy were trying to get them thing one and thing two in Jesus' kingdom. Remember that not too long ago? They wanted to be the, the leaders right there. And the ten, it says, were indignant with them. Angry, frustrated, cross. The leaders were, they were more concerned about what the kids were singing, catch this, than the fact that Jesus was healing unclean people in the temple. That's a turn. That's not common for these Jewish leaders. They were more concerned about what the kids were singing than the fact that he was healing clean people. But what wonderful things he was doing. Oh, man, I, I pray that none of us miss what God is doing because of our stubbornness, because of our this is the way it's got to be attitude. The wonderful things he was doing. Jesus was done being subtle, and he leaves. Mic drop. drop. He heads back to his friends in Bethany. Anybody, nerd moment, who do you who do, who do we think he stayed with? Friends in Bethany, come on. Famous guy, starts with an L. Lazarus, kind of important figure. Raised him from the dead. Dead four days. Remember that story? Anyway, Lazarus, Mary, Martha. He needed to go hang out with some friends. He's got a big week ahead of him. And today was a big day. Now, the, the, the sequence of events are a little different depending on the Gospels, but these things happened. And Jesus was done being settled. What do you think about Jesus and his humility, but also his judgment? Can we celebrate both his, his gentleness, his humility, and his judgment, his rearranging of furniture in our lives? Let me read you a couple scriptures, and then I just have one prayer that I want us to say together. Notice, therefore, the kindness and harshness of God. Romans eleven twenty two. 22. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son or daughter he accepts. Hebrews 12, 6. Did you know these were in the scriptures? For the Lord disciplines those he loves, just as a father disciplines the son or daughter in whom he delights. Proverbs 3:12. Now all discipline seems painful at the time, not joyful, but later it produces the fruit of peace and righteousness for those trained by it. That's also in Hebrews 12, last one, Revelation 3:19. All those I love, says the Lord, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here's the prayer I want us to say together. Are you ready for this? Jesus, we invite you to clean house. You see that with me? Jesus, we invite you to clean house. I Don't say that flippantly. That's, a, that's kind of a scary, dangerous prayer. Let's do that together. Jesus, we invite you to clean house. Would you pray with me now together? Jesus, we welcome your perfect discipline because we know you love us. It's based on your great love. So Jesus, overturn the tables that are needed in my life and our lives. This morning, we confess, we repent, we stop if need be. Jesus, we invite you to clean house. In the name of Jesus, we all pray, amen.